Well, uh, hello everybody. We're here for Fiction Old and New. Today is Tuesday, May 11th, and we're going to be discussing uh, Night Road by Christian Hanna. And before we start the discussion, I'm going to just read a short, uh, some biographical information about the author. <clears throat> um, Christian Hanna was born in uh, September 1960 in Southern California. When she was eight years old, her family moved to Western Washington State, where she grew up. She attended law school and started practicing law in Seattle. While in her last year of law school, her mother was diagnosed with cancer. To help her mother focus on something happier, she and her mother collaborated on what Christian described on her website as the worst, most cliched historical romance ever written. Her mother had been a fan of romance novels and believed that Christian should be a writer. When Christian got pregnant, she was ordered to have five months of bed rest. She started going a little stir-crazy, and that's when her husband reminded her of the novel that she had written with her mother before her mother's death. Christian started working on this project and had a first draft by the time her son was born. Her love of writing continued, and she eventually stopped practicing law and became a full-time writer. Bard has uh, 14 of her novels. Her first novel, A Handful of Heaven, was published in 1991, and her most recent novel, Fly Away, was published in 2013. Some of her other books include On Mystic Island, Between Sisters, Comfort and Joy, Magic Hour, Firefly Lane, True Colors, Winter Garden, and Homefront. She's won numerous awards, including the 1996 National Reader's Choice Award. She lives on Bainbridge Island, Washington State, with her husband and her son. So why don't we uh, start out by seeing what everybody thought of the book. And also, um, if you wanted to tell us um, if you had any thoughts about the Faraday family. Uh, the mother was Jude and the husband Miles. And then, of course, they had two children, uh, Zach and Mia. And I'm going to release the microphone now. This is Sherry. I wanted to say that I read this book some time ago, and it really has stuck with me. I really liked it a lot. Um, my uh, issue, I'll be interested to see what everybody thinks, is if Jude really got the justice she thought she wanted. And I'd also be interested to see if you guys agree that the ending was satisfying and not trite and contrived. I, I thought it they managed to end it the way I wanted it to nicely without it feeling contrived. Um, I'm sorry because I did feel it ended contrived and that is my main objection to the book. Um, and it, <laughs> it seems odd to me she was this wonderful mother and the children loved her and all of that but almost the minute they got away from her from these parties they started drinking like crazy. So it, you know, it said something to me about what goes on between a family when you see two opposite things like that, because they certainly seem like very attractive children. And my other, because if this was a question, I couldn't figure out why they had, um, whatever the girl's name was, I never can remember their names, that went to prison. Why did they have her staying longer than she was in, supposed to stay, was it because, I mean, I know it was because <clears throat> she acted up, but when they left her at that point, before we went into the second part of this book, do you suppose, because my reaction was, the author did that in order to hold our suspense so that we would wonder whether she just kept going down the drug trail or whether she straightened out. And if I'm right about that, that's just one more contrived thing as far as I was concerned. Okay, I'll jump in. Uh, I had read the book earlier and liked it and uh, read it again and liked it the second time. Uh, the book, it, it's so emotional. It, it, it breaks your heart. It just tears your heart right out of your body and stomps on it. Uh, but then it kind of puts everything back together again. Um, I, I was thinking today that maybe Zach could have been developed a little better. I just don't think we know him very well. We don't know him as well as some of the other characters. Um, the ending 
obviously it was a feel-good ending. I, I, I like the way it ended, but I would have been okay if it had ended with Lexi just riding off in the bus uh, to be with her aunt and uh, with, the, with the expectation that, yes, she would come back. I, I, I could have lived with that. That would have been fine. Um, and I think a lot of authors would have left it that way, and, and I, th- I think it would have been a fine ending. But, you know, obviously to have them get back together again, that, was, that made you feel good at the end. But uh, maybe the other ending would have been okay. Well, it's so interesting to me to listen to everybody's comments so far because there's so many different topics with this book. Everybody's, you know, pointing out different things about it. And that's what I thought was really interesting about this story is there's really a lot to discuss. And, of course, I want to hear what what Lissy and Leela and I think Joni hasn't had a chance to talk yet either. Um, So maybe we could sort of talk about, like, one thing at a time because there's just so many things going on. Um, And um, I think what Jill was saying about Mia is, is a good place to start because Mia... I thought was a really interesting character because she came from a really difficult background, you know, with her mother. And um, I was very happy when she ended up living with Eva because I thought Eva was sort of a, a maternal type for her. And I kind of wondered why Eva didn't come into the picture a little bit earlier. Um, and you know it was it the whole the whole thing about her i mean she was a very responsible woman a young woman and you know she she got a very harsh punishment in certain ways for what she did although you can argue that you really need to make an example so um what did you all think about lexi did you have any any thoughts about her um in the story um, this is Sherry again. Jill, I thought you had a, I didn't notice that she got extra prison time. If somebody else can mention that, I, I totally missed that. I don't understand why that would have happened. You don't get extra prison time for acting up unless you commit a crime. Hopefully this works this time. Um, Lexi, I really actually felt bad for her. Um, I did like the ending, and I really, I don't mean to bring up any other topics, but I really appreciated the fact that Jude finally realized who Lexi was and all that she did for that family and what a back seat she had to take for all of her life, what she went through. You know, it. I think, yeah, I understand the example, but I just, it's really sad. Her alcohol level was lower than both of the children probably put together and she got you know she got the rap for it and really I can't help but think that if it had been the other way around and Zach had been poor and Lexi had been the rich one would it have been different yeah Lexi was always, no matter how much they accepted her, no matter how much she fit in the family, Lexi is always going to be the outsider. Uh, Eva said it very well. She said, Lexi, they will always have choices that you don't have. They will always get breaks that you won't get. And, and unfortunately, that's true. Um, I, I wondered if, okay, Lexi did a thing that, People kind of thought she was nuts to plead guilty and take her punishment. Um, what would have happened, though, if she had said, I'm not guilty and let it go to the jury? I don't know that anything would have been different. She still would have gone to prison. And if she had, if, if a sympathetic jury had let her go, uh, Jude still would have hated her. Uh, so she was, in a way, she was nuts to, to go to prison. She didn't know what prison was going to be. Nobody ever filled her in on that. So she was doing the right thing. I don't know that the scenario would have been any different had she done what her lawyer wanted her to do and, and, and take a jury trial. It probably would have ended up pretty much the same way anyway. Well, what you said, John, is what I thought also was her Aunt Eva was talking about how Mia and Zach would get breaks that Lexi wouldn't get because she comes from a different background and she she didn't have their advantages. But 
I, I think, I mean, I thought in real life, if somebody was a young woman like her, who her blood alcohol level, I think, was 0.09, and legally it was 0.08, I don't think that person would have gotten five years prison time. Um, and it's a really, really complicated issue because you do want to set an example. You don't want people drinking and driving. And um, and there was a lot of pressure from the community and from the, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving group to do to make an example of her. But I did wonder if it had been Zach or if it had been uh, Mia, would they have gotten that, that kind of a prison sentence Um I don't know. It, 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 it's, really, it, it's a really interesting question to see, you know, about what, what would have happened. It's a really complicated question, I think. Just, you know, I think that's what, what do parents do in this situation and what's the appropriate punishment. And it was, it, it's, it's a really, it's an important question. I wonder, what do, you, what do you all think? If you, what do you think that the parents should have done? I mean, at one point, Zach said to his mother, that he might have one beer at the party and he would never drink and drive. And they told, you know, Zach and Mia, call us up and we'll come and get you and whatever. Do you think that they should have driven their kids to the party knowing that there was going to be drinking? Do you think they should have told them that they couldn't go? Um, how do you think parents should handle this, this kind of a situation if they think there's going to be drinking? Well, part of the problem, the problem, part of it started when uh, the time before, uh, she promised she wouldn't yell at them if they called her. They wouldn't be in trouble if they called her. And they did call her to come and get them the time before, and she did you know, lecture them and make it difficult. I'm not saying that they, the kids are uh, not responsible for their choices. They still should have called her. But she did make this a little harder than it might have been. Um, and would Lexi, I mean, sorry, would Mia have gotten the same punishment? If she had pled guilty, I think she would have. Now, the difference would be if they had gone to trial. What kind of a lawyer was this lawyer that she had? Was he as good as the lawyer that um, Zach or Mia would have gotten? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's where the break would come in. They'd have gotten a better lawyer, and so they might have gotten off. But I suspect if they had both done the same thing that she did, if, let's say, Zach or Mia had pled guilty and not gone to trial, they might have gotten, I don't know if they would have gotten five years. Some of that was tacked on because of her misbehavior in prison. She, she did do some misbehaving, apparently. They didn't go into great detail. But time was added on because of this misbehavior in, in prison. You know, I realize I'm going to be very naive and very idealistic in what I'm going to say here, but I, I kept thinking all the way through this, you know, oh, gee, we're going to make an example out of Lexi. We're just going to throw Lexi's butt in jail for years, and that's going to solve the drinking problem. No, 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 it isn't. Adults have to take some responsibility for this. Kids, kids don't know what they're doing. Okay, you want to throw somebody in jail? How about the people that make alcohol available to these kids? How about the parents who leave their, who go away for the weekend, leave their homes unsupervised, knowing damn well there's going to be parties and there's going to be drinking and there's going to be marijuana and everything else, uh, but yet they want to throw Lexi in jail to solve the teenage drinking problem. The teenage drinking problem is terrible, and it needs to be solved, but adults have to take some responsibility for what's going on. Oh, I hardly agree with that, John. And I think that um, Mia and um, Zach, uh, I think Mia would have, they would have gotten off. They would have, their parents had money. And I think that they would have um, uh, seen to it that their kids uh, did not have to go through what, Lexi had to go through. And Jude, I, I really did not like Jude. Uh, she was this, you know, supposed to be this wonderful parent. I don't think she should have let, I don't think they should have let the kids go to that party. Um, 
I really uh, don't think so. Now, I read the book quite a while ago, and I don't know that I remember things the way they really did happen in the book, but I remember that I really, I, I couldn't stand Jude. just did not like her at all. Yeah, I, I really got angry with Jude, too, in the way she handled her grief. I mean, it's hard to judge. I've never been through anything like that, thank goodness. One thing I thought that was interesting is that Jude's mother, she had a bad relationship with her own mother. And at one point in the book, her mother says, this is the way I handled your father's death. I pushed everybody away. And that's exactly what Jude was doing. I thought that was an interesting observation. Um, I noticed, uh, Lissy, if you want to jump in, uh, you know, we're all kind of jumping in here. If you want to say what you think, uh, we haven't given you a chance yet. Well, you know, I, I read Nolan's review on the DB review, and I have to say I completely disagreed with him. So there was a line in um, in one of Lexi's letters where she said, I read somewhere that grief can be like breaking a bone. You have to set it right or it can ache forever. And I really thought that the loss of a child is, is, you know, especially she was a young woman, 17 years old. I mean, it made total sense to me that um, Jude would feel the way she felt. And one of the things I guess I wondered was why uh, Jude and Miles and Zach didn't go together for family counseling. Um, they certainly had the economic resources to do that. And I understand that they had different reactions to Mia's death, but, you know, it was such a unbelievably terrible situation. I, I don't know. I would have I liked maybe a little bit more understanding for Jude. And I understand that Miles wanted to go on with his life, and, and, Zach, had, and Zach really matured, I guess, in a way, um, and also, I guess we could talk a little bit about the pregnancy, too. And that was sort of a, a twist in the story, which, um, you know, I guess if I thought about it, I would have seen it coming, but I really I really didn't see that coming. So um, what do you think? Do you think that Jude, her reaction was, was like Nolan felt it was just too much, but I, I didn't really agree with him. Well, I... <laughs> I did. I actually did agree with him. Now, I will hasten to say that I have never been through this. I don't even have kids. I've never been married. I don't have kids. So I don't know. But I just do think it was oh, so over the top. It lasted so long. I understand she was in great pain, but she really just made life difficult for for everybody and and yes family counseling would certainly have have uh, been the way to go and you know she just she was I think they even talked about it but she just refused you know nothing life was just no nothing was any good anymore nobody could do anything right anymore no I think that was a bit over the top for me um but I do understand that's how some mothers would react and um it's probably not unrealistic. Um, it's just a bit, I thought it was just a bit much. Um, the other thing, and, and I'm going to go back, well, I've got the key, I guess. I want to go back a little earlier What did and bring up a whole other topic. What did you think of this whole uh, Siamese twin relationship between me and Zach? They were twins. At first I forgot. Nolan said Zach was older, but that's not true. He, they were twins. But they were treated as if they were supposed to be Siamese twins. Um, they were both supposed to go to USC. They were both supposed to stick together because poor Mia just couldn't negotiate the world. I thought that was over the top, too. Yeah, Mia, I don't know. Obviously, we felt sorry that she she died and everything, and, but she was such a wonderful – but she kind of got on my nerves, too. She was so clingy and so – ooh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I just – didn't like her that well. I happened to be a twin, and my twin was a, a brother, and all I could say is it wasn't that way in our relationship, and yet we liked each other, but there was none of this 
you know, one can't do without the other and one is always looking out for the other. It wasn't like that. I, I'm I'm not a twin, but I've I've read that sometimes twins have sort of a special connection. They make up a language with each other, and they have you know a, sort of a special connection. And I had that sense here that Mia and Zach had a special connection, and it was interesting to read about it because they were really different kids. Zach to me seemed like the popular boy and the athletic boy and he had a whole bunch of friends and Mia seemed you know kind of artistic and she liked to read and when she first met Lexi she said oh you don't want to hang out with me because I'm I don't know whatever whatever word she used so they they had I thought they had a good connection with each other but they seemed really different um and I think that they were going to go to school together because I think that um Jude wanted them to go. That's the impression I had, that she wanted them to go to school together, that she wanted them to be together, um, and that maybe she thought that Zach could could help me out. So I, I felt that they were they had a connection, although they were very, very different kinds of kids. So about Jude, at first she really did get on my nerves, but, you know, I kind of looked at it as she's a mother. She has to do what she has to do to keep control of her children in these days. And so I really appreciated what she went through. And what, as for her grief, um, my mother for a long time grieved over my stepfather. And she still does. And... She basically pushed every one of us away from her. And my sister's going through some stuff because of that. And it's just not good. So I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, I think that's realistic. It's very sad, but I think it's realistic. Miles was so, so awesome. Like she said, thanks for your, you know, always putting up with me. And um, as for twins... My husband is a quadruplet. He's a set of quadruplets. And um, I often find his brother calling when Todd has had a bad day or something. He'll call him sensing something's up. So I can see that too. Now the whole, I really, like when Zach and Lexi first got together and they finally went to tell uh, Mia I was saying to myself, if you don't accept this, you are just not cool. Because that's where I think she was a little over the top. I understand that she got hurt with her other friend. Okay, I do understand that. That was wrong. Okay, right on, you know. But let go. You know, live and let go. And she did, but I don't know that she really did. Because, and, and you know, again, as for Jude... All it was with this USC thing is she's rich. She wanted her children to do this and that, and they did. And they had money. I mean, it even said how she spent $600 on a ring, you know? It was just different worlds for Lexi and um, Mia and Zach. Well, I remember when I was reading this book, I kept feeling like they could have done more for Lexi. Um, I have been in, in the situation where I've lost my child and I, um, you know, you grieve, but I don't know. I thought that Jude was just so over the top and she just, um, I, I just did not like her. I really didn't like her. Um, and I don't think she ever really accepted Lexi, uh, she was so afraid that Zach and Lexi would get together, and that's all the two of them ever wanted. And um, so I have to say that, um, yes, when you lose a child, it is the worst thing that can happen to you in your life. Um, and, you know, I, my son has been gone, um, it'll be 21 years. And, of course, I still grieve. I still miss him. But, you know, life goes on. 
and she didn't allow her life to, I mean, it was all about her, all the time. And, and Mia was clingy, and she was, you know, I just, uh, I did not like Jude. Even at the very end, when she started getting uh, warmer towards the granddaughter. I think it was a granddaughter. I, I read this so long ago. Uh, I read too much, and then I can't remember any of the books. But anyway, that's my feeling. I just did not like this woman. You know, one of the relationships that I had problems understanding was Lexi and Zach. I didn't really get their connection for each other. And the fact that they were in love with each other, I never really bought that it was a real attachment. I mean, I just didn't see what they had in common, what was bringing them together. Um, And I wondered what you all thought of, of their relationship. of the pregnancy, and I noticed a little detail, which was that um, Jude had the talk with her daughter about condoms and you know, being having protected sex. She didn't do that with her son, so that's unfortunate that, you know, that she didn't feel the same responsibility toward encouraging him to protect his relationship with other girls. Um, another thing, you, uh, when you talk about his relationship with um, Lexi, is that Zach was, um, he seemed such a ladies' man, so that at first I was suspicious, too, that she was just another fling. But then they kind of um, suggested that they were attracted to each other from the very beginning and that that this you know relationship was the culmination of couple, you know three or four years of denial on both of their parts that's kind of the surprising thing that that for the sake of um, the twin sister that they stayed apart for as long as they did um, another thing about their commitment to each other Did you you notice that both girls were slavish in their desire to please their boyfriends? And so um, Lexi would do anything for Zach's approval, including drive the car. She, She knew better, and her instincts told her not to, but she was so fearful of losing him. And she was incapable of denying him anything, and that that was very sad. Well, I think Lexi was the only one even slightly capable of driving the car. But uh, Michelle, I think you're right. I think that whole Lexi Zach thing isn't isn't developed very well. It's just oh, they love each other, whoopee! And but you don't really know why. Here's a question: I wondered why does Lexi say, and she she says it to Zach, and she thinks it. She says, why did you let me go to prison? Why did you let me, you let me go to prison? When it was her decision to plead guilty, uh, she thought that would bring her atonement and forgiveness. But why does she then blame it, in a sense, on Zach? That's a good point, and I think that might tie into what Lexi was saying. I mean, I mean, what Lissy was saying. Sorry, Lissy. Um, Lexi was kind of saw herself in a traditional role. She did what she could to please Zach, and I think she expected him to rescue her, and she was taking out her anger on him, reasonable or not, just like Jude was taking out her anger on Lexi, reasonable or not. And I think that was one thing I liked about the book is these reactions. We as readers and outsiders see these reactions as totally unreasonable, and we get annoyed with these people and stuff. But I think they probably, I mean, I've known people that carried anger for people's deaths for decades, and they were still angry about it decades later and still, you know, blaming someone for it and stuff. So I don't think it's that unrealistic as far as what the author did. I also, I I, I think the point's well taken that the romance might have not been that well developed, 
But that's one thing I liked because I tend not to like romances. And so I was happy with it being kept at a low volume in terms of the romantic stuff. When I finally liked Jude, there was one moment in the book that really hit me. And this is when I thought Jude, I I didn't have any more bad feeling about her. When she said, and I don't remember what conversation it's in, I think when she's you know finally coming around and she says I'm scared, and that that just hit me because that you know it, it finally was a, a recognition of I can't control it all, uh, and she made this admission to either to Zach or maybe to Zach and uh, Miles, but at some point she says I'm scared, and I thought that was a tremendous admission on her part, and and I think it started the whole healing process well um one of the things that i found really interesting about jude and i wondered if anybody here knows about this topic because it's not a topic that i know anything about which is gardening and she talked about and i wrote it down i'm just going to read it you know she took such pleasure in her gardening and this is what it said in the book it said there was such peace for her here Every plant, every flower, every shrub was placed according to her plan. If she didn't like the way something grew or spread or bloomed, she yanked it out and replaced it. She was the red queen of the realm in complete control, and as such, she was never disappointed. And I think at the end of the story, um, and I don't really know exactly what a wildflower is, but I think she was allowing wildflowers to go into the garden. And I think that, you know, Sometimes people really, they need a certain amount of control to feel secure and to feel safe. And I think that's how she she dealt with her anxieties about things, was to try to have control over everything, which is not an easy thing to do when you're a parent. And, um, and I wondered, um, you know, what did... What did you all think about her marriage with Miles? Did you see them as opposites, or did you think that they had a supportive marriage? I, I, I kind of went back and forth on their marriage a little bit. It's interesting you bring up the garden, Michelle, because I don't know about gardening either, but I think that Christian really developed Jude. Her real Jude was a very well-developed character. Um I think actually she was the most developed. <laughs> but um, I think through the garden, and even at the end it says something about chaos. Order, e- e- order comes even with chaos. And she saw her garden in chaos after so many years of grieving, and she realized, you know what? It's okay to have a little bit of chaos. You don't always have to have control. And I think she matured when she saw her garden and uh, their marriage, that was interesting. I think that he was supportive of her, but I'm not sure. It didn't say anything about her supporting him, which was sad. I think Miles was kind of a wimp. I think he, was, he kind of got pushed around by her, and I think he was kind of wimpy and henpecked and... Oh, whatever. Um, he didn't. He seemed to because, and and I think part of what happened in this in this book, maybe all the way through it, is that people tolerated each other's behavior way too much. They tolerated Mia's clinginess, and they insisted that ja- uh, Zach had to take care of her. And then they went ahead and tolerated Jude, Jude's. Um, I agree with Nolan over the top. Uh, behavior, and including Miles. Finally, I think, I think, I don't remember, but I think Miles finally kind of threatened to leave, but not, not really. I don't, not sure about that. But he was such, mostly, he was such a wimp. He should have, uh, he should have been a lot stronger and firmer um, with her, and that's the really the kind of support that she needed, I think. Well, to me. And as I said several times tonight, I read this a while ago, so, um, but what I remember was that, you know, Jude was for Jude. It was, everything was about Jude. Um, She wanted to control everything, and I think the garden was a very good um, 
indicator that she wanted to control everybody's life and she couldn't and and I agree with what um, someone said about uh, my oh well Nancy said about Miles being with I think he was See, I don't agree that Miles was a wimp. I think he just knew what was important and where to make a stand. And most of the things that Jude was doing, he he didn't feel were that important. And I think if he really stood up to that, that marriage wouldn't have even survived 10 years. Miles was a doctor. I thought he, he's a career person. I believe he had a lot of control on the job as you know most doctors do and that he delegated um, you know he provided them with every, everything they could imagine for, you know for their his family everything they could imagine for their happiness and he delegated t- care of the home to Jude who worked part-time but not for that long and that was her responsibility um, I don't think he was weak I just think he he gave she had authority more or less in the house and he had he took he was a career you know more career oriented also he um tended to, he did call her on um, whoever said that he chose his battles i i agreed with that and a good example was christmas day when she was overreacting to the promise ring and several times in the book he called her aside and and tamed her down and and told her to back off and and go easy because certain issues you know didn't need to be as as overblown as she made them i also don't always think that we're supposed to like the characters it's not so much whether we like them it's whether we understand their how they how they operate and and the relationships between them and other characters and also watching them grow because i think not all of us are as likable in all stages of our lives and so we saw you know growth in in the son we saw growth in jude's mother we saw growth in jude so um, i gave her a lot of i give all of them credit for developing throughout the book yeah, I, I agree with you, Lizzie. I think those are really good points. I think that, that characters are, are often, we don't have to like every character. We just have to sort of understand what they're going through. And I guess I, I wondered throughout the, the book with Miles and Jude if they should have presented a more united front sometimes to their children because I think sometimes they didn't. But I think in, in real life, you know, I don't think parents necessarily agree on every single situation, and you might have a, a different way, and 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 their, their marriage did seem sort of real to me, and I think that um, I think when we saw Jude's relationship with her mother, I think that sort of explained a lot about how she turned out because her mother was a, a pretty difficult woman, and um, they had a you know that was her role model, so. Um, I don't know. It was it, Their marriage, I think, was definitely interesting. And I just wanted to say that probably my favorite character in the book was Aunt Eva. I just thought she was so giving and so nurturing towards Lexi. And she really, you know, tried to help her. She hired a lawyer for her. She invited her to move with her to Florida. She was there for her every step of the way. And she gave her some really good practical advice. Um, and I just thought she was a really... She was a, a, a very, you know, I, I wish she had entered Lexi's life at, a, at an earlier age. I thought she probably was her great aunt, and I sort of wondered why it took so long for them to find her, but she was a, a very good character, I thought. I, I didn't really see Miles as weak either, particularly. I thought he was a, a rather good counterbalance, if you will, to, to Jude's hysterical control. <laughs> Jude's mantra in life was something could go wrong, and of course something did go terribly wrong. So she was right, 
But everything that would happen, and she was always, it was, it's, it's something's going to happen, something's going to go wrong. And Miles was sort of saying, Jude, come on, come on, calm down. The world, the, the roof didn't fall. You know, the, the sky didn't fall on chicken little yet. Uh, he could have been stronger, but, but I, you know, I just thought he was trying to kind of balance her out a little bit. I'd have to chime in with the Miles is not a wimp crowd too. Um, I liked the marriage. I thought it was nice, a nice change of pace. In a lot of these books with these family dramas, the husband and wife always split up after something like this happens and end up hating each other and stuff. And I thought it was nice that they were able to survive this. And I liked it at the end when Jude's mother was a little more forthcoming and, and real with Jude than she had been previously in the book. I think she was there helping with child care and stuff like that. That was a nice touch, too. What punishment would you all have thought would have been appropriate for Lexi? I think I would have leaned towards probation and community service. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I know the law doesn't take into account you know, your personal feelings and whether or not you have remorse and all that, but she was punished an awful lot by having lost her best friend and and like that. Um, but yeah, there should be something. Yeah, I, I agree with probation and community service. Maybe going around telling her story. Um, I think that would have served a lot better purpose, or served the purpose a lot better. Whatever it was, I um, like that. So that's yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that too. I think. They went way over the top with that one. Um, Like you said, this poor girl lost her best friend. She has to live with that for the rest of her life. And then she's got to go to prison and deal with these women that, you know, nobody should have to go through that. Especially, she was like 17, 18 years old. She basically, even the first time, she didn't even want to drink the first time, but she did it for Zach, you know. It's just so sad because she knew she was doing wrong, and there were times that she didn't do wrong because she knew she would wanted to, and I don't know. They just really went over the top with that punishment. I really think that um, parole and... I mean, probation and community service would have been just fine. And I think she would have done well with that. I I actually don't agree. Um, I I think that she should have gotten some prison time. And I think I would have been more comfortable if she would have gotten like a year prison time in a minimum security facility. Because I don't think she belonged in a real prison with murderers and, 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 and all kinds of people like that. But I also don't think that she should have walked away from this because she did do something wrong. And all and it was unfortunate that she was the person that was behind the wheel of a car, but she was the person who took the keys and did drive for whatever reason she decided to do it. And... I'm just not a fan of people drinking and driving, even if they're 17 years old. I I just think that to give somebody um, probation and community service, it sets the wrong example, the wrong tone. And yes, sometimes people are going to get an excessive punishment, and I certainly would not want to be that 17-year-old who made that decision and ended up in jail. But I also... I think that there should be some punishment, and I thought five years was excessive, but I think a year minimum security, I, I think I would have been comfortable with that decision. My experience here in Ohio, um, there was a man in the news just this week who injured some people in a car accident, and he was driving. He had 13 um, DUIs. And so, and had, you know, was not served, hadn't served jail terms. Um, Also, when I was teaching, um, drunk parents were in a car accident and three children were killed in their car. And there was no jail time served, you know, by them. On another case I know of, um, uh, a man killed the father of three children in a drunk 
car accident and didn't even spend one night in jail. So maybe morally we might think she deserves a, a large prison sentence, but I don't think first-time offenders actually do very much time for, for this crime. Just for fun, I wonder how Jude would have reacted if uh, Lexi had gotten community service and probation. Do any of you know for a fact whether a pregnant girl in the delivery room in prison is literally handcuffed and tied to the bed frame? That seemed awfully extreme to me, and I found, had a real problem believing that, but I don't know about prison conditions. Uh, yeah, John, I have a feeling Jude would have had a fit if Lexi had not gotten any prison time. <laughs> You're right. Um, as far as your question, Jill, actually, there's just a case not that long ago here in Chicago where they did shackle a woman to a bed uh, who was giving birth, and she had some kind of complications, and there were problems, and I don't remember what happened. But that is not unusual at all. Um, they frequently will t uh, – sometimes if they're in – this was in county jail, so they took her to a regular hospital and shackled her in the regular hospital. So, yeah, that does happen. Whether they do that, I don't remember where Lexi gave birth. If she gave birth in the prison, you know, medical facility, then I wouldn't think they would need to do that because she'd still be in prison. But if they take them to a regular hospital, that is something they do, which is, I think, a bit much. If As long as they have guards outside the door, I would think that would be sufficient. Well, um, the author used to be a lawyer, and I read a whole bunch of reviews about this book, and they, a lot of them suggested that she was trying to critique the criminal justice system with this case. So I would think, you know, the sentence of 65 months, the fact that she was shackled to the bed during pregnancy, um, you know, I, I don't know, did she have natural childbirth? Did they give her an epidural? I mean, it, it does seem really... You know, she's not going to get up and, and walk out the room when she's giving birth, so it does seem a little excessive to to be doing that. Um, in certain cases, I, I, I think that they would shackle a person to a bed, but uh, in pregnancy, while she's actually delivering, maybe after she gave birth, they might handcuff her to the bed. I mean, but while she's actually giving birth, it does seem excessive. But I think it's, she was trying to to uh, point out certain things in the criminal justice system. That's what people suggest in reviews that she thought was wrong, and, and maybe that was one example of that. I remember the doctor told him to unshackle her, um, that uh, he wasn't going to put up. I forget exactly. He was in control uh, in this room, and he, he told him to, to take the shackles off, as I remember. Um, I don't want to go off into tail after tail, but... In Canton, Ohio, I just want to mention this because there were twin brothers um, who had been great buddies, and it's well documented, very close friends. Um, and they were both drinking, and one twin ran over his brother in the parking lot while drunk. And, you know, the papers talked about how devastated he was, but here again, he never served any jail time for killing his brother. It might vary a bit from state to state and, and area to area. Here in the Chicago area, people frequently do get jail time for a first offense, but it's not five years, and it's in juvenile, so it's not in a regular adult prison. Well, I, I think we're actually coming to... Um, Almost to 10 o'clock, so I'm just going to mention um, our next book for next month, um, which is um, called Above All Things, and the author is uh, Tannis Rideout, and her first name is T-A-N-I-S, and her last name is R-I-D-E-O-U-T, um, and of course I don't have the the number on Bard, but we're going to send out a newswire, so it'll have that. Maybe, maybe Sherry, you have the number. Um, and also, we invited the author to come. Um, so our next meeting is going to be June 10th, which is Tuesday. And um, she seems like a really, really nice woman. I know Sherry spoke with her on the phone, and um, 
It's a really interesting story. It's it's a story of um, George Mallory, who was a British explorer, and he was in one of the expeditions where they wanted to climb to the, the peak of um, Mount Everest, and it tells his story, the story of his uh, his team, his climbing team, and also uh, the story of his wife who remains at home in England, um, and the book is, I think, about 13 hours long, and I, I finished it, and I know Sherry finished it, and it's a really nice, good story, really involving story. Uh, I think particularly if you like historical stories, uh, you, you might really like this as well. So um, that's our next book, which is um, Above All Things, and the author is Tannis Rideout. I put the author and the title and the DB number up in the chat window. If you hit F9 and arrow down, you'll be able to hear it. But the DB number is 76263. And I must say that um, as a warning, when I started this book, there's a sexual encounter in the beginning of the book. And I'm, my first thought was, oh, man, this is really going to be lame. But it gets much better. After you get past that, the sexual content is not heavy in the book. So don't let that put you off. I, when, when an author starts like that, I kind of wonder about the book. But it was well worth reading. It was interesting in the aspects of climbing. And mountaineering as well. I mean, and George Mallory, of course, was a real person, and the expedition was real. And um, I think she based a lot of this on uh, letters and diaries, stuff like that. But we will be interviewing her, and then, of course, there'll be plenty of time for you guys' questions, too. That sounds good. I'm always fascinated by people that climb Mount Everest and the books that are written by them or about them, uh, particularly... In, uh, into Thin Air, which was by Krakauer. That was a wonderfully fascinating book. And I read another one, too. I don't know if, I don't think it was this, but um, it, it always has fascinated me. Well, um, Leela, I just wanted to mention, because I know you came back in, that the next book that we're going to be reading is Above All Things by Tannis Rideout, which is June 10th, and we're going to have the author come and, and speak with us as well. And it, it really, it, this is a really interesting story because there's a lot of really interesting, um, She, I think she read a lot of diaries and a lot of personal accounts. So if you read the book, you really feel like you're taking these steps with these people. And this is, you know, not a modern climb. I mean, they wore really, really light clothes and um there's a whole big issue whether they should use oxygen or not use oxygen and how that affects a person medically. And it's really at the beginning of the time when they're trying to reach Mount Everest. And so that's really interesting. And then we switch for part of the book, but not the majority of the book, it takes place in England. And what Sherry says is right. The book opens up with this kind of sexual encounter between George and his wife Ruth and I thought the same thing like oh no it's going to be some heavy romance or something but there's like maybe two or three little incidents like this in the story where they're talking about their honeymoon days and whatever and you can fast forward through that if you want to that's like maybe two percent of the whole story so don't even worry about that that's not a big part of the book um I agree with you Joni I really liked Into Thin Air before we close, though, did anyone else have anything else to say about Night Road? I just have to say, Sherry, I agree with you. I'm not too much into the romantic stuff, so I have to say that. And um, I cannot wait till the next meeting. This will be fun. I always like books about um, climbing mountains and stuff like that. Well, of course, I'm a mountain girl, so what can you say? One of my pet expressions dare to have a happy ending and so because um, I think sometimes we learn um, lessons in fiction that we don't have enough lifespan to learn by personal experience and so sometimes when a book is tragic it's like okay I, I learned my lesson but thanks for make, making me feel better at the end and you know giving me hope so I always appreciate when an author um, gives gives us a chance to be comfortable and, and, you know, fulfilled or satisfied at the end of a book, even though it may not be the most realistic ending. 
I'd have to agree with that, and I agree with what John said earlier. I, I, I like the ending. It did make me feel good, but I would have been okay if, if Lexi would have just taken off and gone to Florida and stuff. The other thing I learned from this book is, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear on the news that some drunk driver killed somebody, you know, I'm always outraged and all this stuff. And I think this kind of gives you the backstory that sometimes the drunk driver is a little more sympathetic than you might get from reading a news account of the situation. Unless in the example, as Lissy said, where they've had 13 prior DUIs or they run away from the scene or something, then I tend to be a little less sympathetic. Well, as always... Uh, Michelle and Sherry, you've done a very, very good book club. It's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've read several of Kristen Hanna's books, and uh, some are real good and some are not. Yeah, this was actually my first Kristen Hanna book, which I find amazing because I've heard of her, and she's written so many books, but um, I think I would definitely try another one of her books. I'm not sure which one, but um, it was it was pretty good, and I, and I liked all the issues, and, and you know, it was a book that there was really plenty to discuss and everything, so thank you, everybody. Everybody had such great comments, and, um, you know, it, it makes everything so much easier because you guys are so involved in the discussion, which is wonderful, and uh, Sherry and I hope that, you know, you'll consider reading Above All Things and, and come back on June 10th, and, um, you know, we have many other good books lined up for the future as well, so thank you, everybody. Uh, Joni, could you tell us maybe a couple of the Kristen Hanna books that were not so good? Because I'd like to read another one of her book, but I don't really know which one to pick. Well, I, I was—I had my finger on the thing. I was going to name some good ones. Um, uh, there was Firefly Lane, but then you'd also want to read Fly Away, which is the sequel. And I read uh, Winter Garden for a book club that was here a long time ago as well. And I liked Winter Garden, too. So those are the only other three that I've read. And I liked all three of the other ones. I love Winter Garden. Um, Kristen Hanna does have a wide range. Some of her books are not as well done. I, I think Winter Garden is poetic. Um, it, it's, it's set in, in Washington State in an apple orchard, but um, the, other, the other setting is in um, Russia during the, um, the siege in was it Leningrad? But it's 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 very very moving, and it it's also features some mother daughter angst, um, intergenerational angst, and misunderstanding between the generations. There's it's very it's poetic, it's beautiful, it's deep, um, it's very moving. Um, I also read Winter Garden, and I did like it a lot. Uh, we read it for a book club, as Nancy said. I forget which book club it was for, but I did read it for a book club. Firefly Lane, I loved it. The sequel was Fly Away, and I, I felt like she wrote that as a sequel so that people would buy more books. I, I felt that it was kind of plotting plotting, P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G, I mean. Um, it was boring in a lot of places. I really didn't care for it. Uh, but I loved Firefly Lane. Um, so, you know, that was, I thought that Fly Away was, was really dull, boring. And it was like, that book, uh, Firefly Lane, it would have been good to have a sequel, but it was too too dark, too boring, too dull. And I felt that it was just written, as I said, to sell another book. I wonder if she'll do a sequel to Night Road. I'd love to see what happens when, you know, this little girl, I forget her name, you know, the baby, kind of gets to grow up and... Uh, it'd be interesting to see how much of history repeats itself and how much of it does not. And I don't know. It'd be an interesting sequel. I think the girl's name was Grace, but I could be wrong. And yeah, that would be an interesting sequel. I don't know. Sometimes things deserve a sequel. Sometimes it's better to just let things lie. I think her name was Grace. Um, 
you know, we always want sequels, but because we want to know what happens. But in the end, do we? I like when authors put an epilogue. Usually that covers what I want to know, and it's satisfying. You know, there are just too many books. I don't know how in my, well, I hope that I have a long time to live because I have too much to read, too much to do, too much fun to have, but the reading, oh, my God, I can't stop. Oh, you're right about that. Well, I'm going to call it a night, so thanks, guys, and we'll hopefully talk to you next month, and uh, Lissy and Leela, I'll talk to you on the next, I guess our this club is before the next sci-fi next month because of the way the days of the week fall. Talk to you guys soon.